You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded in many places across the world. In Australia, it's recorded on the lands of the Wadawurrung, Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures and the hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. We also pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hey, Michelle, it's so good to be here with you again on Lead to Soar. It is awesome. This is my one of my many, many favorite things to do, but at top of the list now. <laughs> We're going to talk about something I think about a lot. And the theme here is sort of the stories we tell ourselves. So we have this voice in our head and sometimes it's nice and sometimes it doesn't help us towards our goals. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that that little voice. I I remember once being on a a retreat for women just before I made a very big decision in my life, i.e. to do what I'm doing now. And the woman who led us, Margie Worrell, Dr. Margie Worrell said, we were talking about this exact topic and she said, I want you to name that voice or who has a name for their voice. And it was hilarious. It was like, I think 30 women and all of us had this name. And I remember one of my friends, Jude, hers was Judith, was her was her name. Mine was the worm. So yeah, the, the little wormy voice uh, in the back of my head that, you know, that one that whispers to you, you're not very good. They're going to find out one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something that a lot of women struggle with, I think. And sometimes we call it imposter syndrome. But I, I want to talk about this because it's something that happens in our minds that we can get control over. We can change our narrative. So let's let's talk a little bit about your experience. So earlier in your career, you made a shift when you were getting your MBA. So talk to us about that. Talk to us about the stories that were happening mm. inside your head. Well, funnily enough, so my MBA was reasonably late in my career because I was in my 40s when I started it. So to the outward world, here was Michelle Redfern, leader, executive, confident, outgoing, got shit done. The inner Michelle, though, was one day they're going to find out that I'm actually not very good, that I've been pretending this whole time. So I had, you know, I, I had a fairly healthy imposter syndrome going on. And of course, the more I read about it, the more I knew I had it. But here's the story that I told myself from the outset of of my career. I'm not destined to be a CEO, but what I will be is a really great right-hand person to a CEO. I'll be that great, you know, sidekick to IC. I, I don't really have what it takes to be the big boss. You know, I'm not entrepreneurial enough, not innovative enough. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's me. So that's the story that I told myself uh, along with you know, walking side by side with my, the fact that I left school when I was 15, I didn't have a tertiary education, you know, all of this stuff. So this, this, this created this story, this whole, you know, thing, who I am, what I, what, how, what I bring. Of course, no one saw it except me. So I front up 
to the very first class. And I remember it was, was accounting and macroeconomics was my very first class with my MBA. And I'm so out of my depth here. I am, and everything, the little Michelle from country Western Australia who left school at 15 was just, she came through the door first. And I sat there like a little mouse. Now, you know me, I am not mouse-like at all. I sat there like a little mouse in this class. There's people introducing themselves. I'm the CEO of so-and-so. I'm the COO of so-and-so. And I'm going, and we started this conversation and I remember, and I wrote it down at the time at the, because I sent my wife a text, my, my then partner, now wife, a text at the 17 minute mark of the, well, it was kind of a lecture tutorial. I spoke up because I went, Oh, I know this. I know this stuff. So I spoke up and I went, I can hold my own here. And that was the first of a number of discoveries I made about myself over the course of the next three years that helped to dismantle this story that I'd been telling myself. Because guess what I discovered, Mel? I am entrepreneurial. In fact, I'm hugely entrepreneurial. It's what drives me. I am innovative. I am creative. And guess what? I can lead from the front, from the very, very top. So there you go. I, I, I got exposed to a different environment and suddenly this, what I'd been telling myself, this story, this narrative that had been on replay over and over and over in my brain stopped. It stopped there and then. And it was fantastic. It was liberating. So I want to come around to our listeners. Let's talk for a moment about what we have seen some women struggle with. There's something in particular that that I have seen, but what what have you seen when it comes to women having a challenge around the story that they're telling themselves? What I've seen, and 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 I, in the context for this is certainly in the work that I now do, combined with my leadership roles and the fact that I paid a lot of attention to women, paid a lot of attention to mentoring and coaching women and bringing them forward. And I will preface this with, guess what? I gave a lot of advice that I didn't take myself for a long time. But what I would often see is, number one, diminishing oneself. So, and interestingly enough, I had to go through that own journey. What This story that I was telling myself, how was it making me make myself smaller and diminish my language. So I see women who use diminishing language, which is coming from a mindset, that inner, that narrative or that, you know, that dialogue that's going on. And that diminishing oneself, it manifests itself in all sorts of different ways. You know, we, and I'm really careful about not fixing women here because we want to fix systems, not women, but there are things that each one of us can do to step up to the plate and take a swing in the words of, of Jack Welch. And for women to step up to the plate and take a swing, sometimes it means I've got to be more comfortable with risk, but really saying, what is the risk here? You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? But also, I guess in the context, as I said, with the work that I've done with women is, do you really know who you are, what you want, what you really want, really, really? Have you ever really said out loud to yourself, this is what I really want. This is my ambition in life. I'm not talking about a, a role position or a, you know, a job. It's like, what do I want in life? What is going to constitute a life well lived for me? And how do I say that out loud to myself? And then structure everything else around it. So I see and work with women who haven't taken the time to know who they are, what they want and what they bring. Because when they know who they are and what they want, they will know what they can bring. And then they don't realize the value that they bring, the value they create, the difference that they make in the environments that they're in, both in the workplace and in society. So I think that's a really important cornerstone of this. Otherwise, we're kind of at the superficial level. 
So, because we can do things about, you know, you can say this and imposter syndrome and blah, 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 blah. But who are you? And what do you really want? And what do you bring? What are your, what is your unique value proposition? And once you're very clear about that, then we can start to talk about how you amplify that and the sort of behaviors that you might want to invest in to, to overcome that inner dialogue or, or start a new story, start a new story that you're going to tell yourself, which is what I did. Right. So I want to highlight something that I have seen, something I've heard a lot of women do in their minds, a story that they tell themselves to almost an extreme. So I've seen women who will say to themselves and they'll say out loud something to the effect of, I'm just not that confident Mm -hmm. or I'm just not confident enough. Mm -hmm. And this particular narrative, I've seen it completely halt a woman's progress because she's so dedicated to believing this story. Mm -hmm. So listener, if that resonates at all, if that sounds like you at all, let's unpack that a little bit. Michelle, how would you respond to a woman who's saying to herself, I'm just not that confident? Well, the first thing I'd say is go back and listen to our episode around confidence, uh, the confidence scoop, because Susan makes some really good points about, you know, what is what is confidence exactly? Now, when we think about confidence, <laughs> we think about charisma and we think about extroversion and we think about people who take up a lot of space. And so, so we have a very, I, I, I believe we have a very one dimensional view of confidence. So confidence is built on competence and credibility. So there are many, many, many people out there who have enormous credibility, credible women who are extraordinarily competent at what they do, but they're not viewed as confident. So anyway, so number one, go back and listen to the confidence scoop because you'll you'll hear about this trilogy, confidence, competence, and credibility. But it comes back to then saying, what am I not confident about? What what is confidence? What am I? What what is it that I don't? I'm I'm shy and I don't like to speak up in a meeting. Is it I fear rejection? So if I speak up, I might f- feel humiliated if someone doesn't if someone rebuts my point, or can I not think in the moment? So it, what what is it that you're not confident about? What I hear, Mel, is oh, I'm just not good with numbers. And you know that that's my bugbear because that's just one of the stories I used to tell myself. So remember, there's Michelle fronting up for accounting with CEOs and I could hold my own. Guess what? This is a person in 2005 who did not know how to use Excel. So we're only talking 16, 17 years ago. So I, I got to tell you, there's some, some competent stuff that's going on here. So figure out what you're not competent at. And if that's what's holding you back, do something about it because that's going to help build your confidence. So, so I think that's the inner, but then I also want to talk about what the external environment is as well, because there will be environments that women work in that don't value or don't reward a confident woman. And I don't, I want to acknowledge that that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about what women can do for themselves, but I, I have to, we can't go past the fact that there will be work environments that value an alpha. Well, you've only got to look at the, the, the TED talk. Why so many 
incompetent men become leaders because we value, we over-index on confidence. We over-index on those, those primary things, what we call personal greatness, and we don't necessarily drill into achieving and sustaining um, extraordinary outcomes and engaging the greatness in others. So let me wind that back. Our definition of leadership using is three parts, using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. When we think about great leaders, when we think about confident leaders, we typically will always think, and I've done this exercise with 5,000 women over the last five or six years, we will typically talk about the traits, the values, the characteristics that constitute personal greatness, confidence, charisma, being outgoing, all the, you know, those, those, those very visible traits. We don't necessarily value and organisations may not value or work cultures may not value other things that are important, getting the work done, achieving the goals that the business sees as, uh, as important bringing people on, winning their hearts, their minds and, and their efforts towards the, the collective goals. So I, I just want to acknowledge that one too, Mel. I know that's a bit rambly, but let's flip back to what women can do if they've got this narrative. The work that she has to do is to really look in the mirror, hold up that mirror and say, truly, what is it that I'm not confident about? And write it down. I'm not confident enough to write an email to the XYZ person to ask them to be my mentor. Why? Well, I think there's also a chance for us to acknowledge to ourselves that we can stop negative narrative and tell ourselves something else. I'm Mel Butcher, and I want to talk to you about the Ascend Workshop. Ascend is a workshop I created for early career professionals who are ready to take the next steps in their career. The next step could be aiming for a promotion and salary raise, or it could be looking for the next step up in another organization. Together, we'll cover using emotional intelligence in the workplace, getting our communication on point, understanding mentorship and sponsorship and how to get it, and positioning ourselves for the next step. I'd love to see you inside the Ascend Workshop Learn more under the courses section inside A Career That Soars. 100%. So what are the top 10 things, your top 10 attributes? What are the top three things you love to do? Because those things are going to, they're likely, if you love to do them, you're going to be really good at them. So, you know, and there are there are tools to help you uncover this. I particularly like the the strengths finder. So I think strengths finder, and we're going to have a, a session with a, a strengths coach in a career that soars this year. Um, oh yay! Mm. I want to know your strengths. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, and and you'll see them and go, oh yeah. <laughs> when I and, and interestingly enough, I came across strengths when I was doing my MBA, and this was part of that programming my head about this story that I told myself because I went, here's this profile of the, the top five things I've subsequently done my 34. And it was just like light bulbs going off. I went, I know myself. And honestly, Mel, you could, if I, if you can picture, you know, when in the slow-mo, uh, you see a flower unfurling, but you see a, a time-lapse of a rose or a flower unfurling. That was me. That was me. I was unfurling through this, this period. And it was, it was a bit no doubt that, you know, when you're starting to challenge your own bullshit that you've got to, you know, 
there's some work to do, but it was really joyful. And part of that, understanding my top five strengths, I really got to know, okay, so be what I'm good at. I do lots of it. So that's the value that I bring. And then I had to map it. When was I in the zone? When, you know, what were the roles that I was in that I really loved? But why did I really love them? What does leadership mean to me? So doing my, you know, really developing my leadership philosophy and my story. You know, there were, there were we have so many tools that, that you know, to, to help this, but the work's got to be done. Who am I? What am I great at? What am I famous for? And then how do I, how, how does that credibility help me be more confident and help me rewrite this narrative that's, that's on, on high rotation in my head into a much more positive one. Right. I heard something from a thought leader that I follow the other day. They said basically that there's not really people with talent out there. There's people with skills and that all of us are born into this world with no talent. We need someone to care for us hand and foot, but we develop skills over time and we can choose to develop skills that matter and become known for something that we want to be known for. And when I reflect on that, I think about, I have to think about podcasting because I went into podcasting with, of course, no training, no real idea what I was doing. And the practice of creating episodes over time, especially with guests or these conversations with you, they helped me develop the skill of asking questions. And it has taken a long time for me to get to this point. And of course, there's always more to learn, but it's a skill that I can take and use in so many different aspects of my career. It's so so there are skills that you can work on and develop and become known for too. I I find a lot of hope in that. Absolutely. And it is interesting. And we, we were having this conversation yesterday in a session for a career that soars about asking for feedback or asking for, for a, a testimonial from, from work colleagues. And in, because you, you, you've got a really great example of being generous and giving that in, in some other conversations that we've had. But there's been a couple of instances in my recent life where people have introduced me to either, in one case, it was to a very large forum of football folk, introduced me in a certain way. And then it, most recently, a uh, another very, very important person in, in my sports network connected me with some other people. And the way those people introduced me made me see myself through their lens. And instead of me going, oh, wow, that's interesting how they see me, I went, that's fantastic. I'm glad they see me that way because that's who I am. And the key word for the second introduction was Michelle is very well-known, well-respected, and very, very well-networked in the sporting industry. And I went, that's it, because that was my goal. And that's what I've been showing up trying to do for the last 10 years or more. And I went, that's it. And it's what I'm good at. But, you know, it's what are you good at? And you've got to find it because that's that's the competence and the credibility stuff that Susan talks about. And if you don't know it, how the hell is anyone else going to know it? But how can you show up in your zone of genius, in in your, you know, yeah, in your zone of genius? And then more importantly, how do you not show up for the stuff that actually doesn't matter? And and we've talked about setting boundaries and, you know, I kind of get a little bit sick about of talking about how women have to set boundaries because I think other people should set boundaries too. But 
we have to learn to say no. But part of that is also saying, if I really fear rejection, because at the heart of everything, this is what it's about, right? I don't want, I'm, you know, humans are not meant to be alone. You know, we're tribal way back when the dinosaurs still ran around the world and some still do, as I always joke, if you got kicked out from your tribe, you died. You were more likely to die because you needed food and warmth and shelter and companionship and all that kind of stuff. So we're not meant to be on our own, which means we are really driven as humans, not all humans, but the great majority of us humans are driven by the fact that we want to be wanted. We want to be liked. We do not want to be rejected. And at the very heart of it, if you're really holding up the mirror and and as I said, I've had to hold up the mirror. I want to be liked. I don't want to be disliked. I don't want people to go, oh, you know, I don't want you in my gang. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you're not part of our, our group. <laughs> so fear of rejection is often at the heart of so much of what we do. So get underneath that, folks. What are you fearing? And how is that driving that internal dialogue, which is then creating your mindset, which is then manifesting itself in your behaviors? which may be holding you back. I want to go back to what you said earlier about the the story of I'm just not that good with numbers. Mm-hmm. I met a, a woman, I interviewed a woman a really long time ago who she failed high school math. I think she did pretty bad in school. She failed math. She got put into some type of school for people who have not done well in school. Mm-hmm. and by, you know, the lucky stars, she was placed with a math teacher that was really excellent and really understood how to help students learn. So she went on to earn a master's degree in mathematics, and then she ended up founding a tutoring company that has an emphasis on math and STEM. Mm-hmm. This She's so fabulous. She's also in a rock band. You should look her up on Instagram. She's the math guru. But anyway, she posted something recently that said, there is no such thing as a math person. Mm-hmm. And she's right. And it goes back to understanding that you have it within you to develop that skill or capability if you decide to put your mind to it. Now, at some point, you I think you have to change the narrative, what you're telling yourself. And, you know, I went through this too. The first time that I went to university, I was telling myself things like, well, you know, a, t- a subject like engineering, a major like engineering, that's for those smart people. And I'm doing like the air quotes. <laughs> yeah, hands. That's yeah, for yeah. the smart people. Like, that's not for me. I'm just average. And after I realized that I could set my mind to something and learn, that was a a huge turning point for me in the mindset that I chose to move forward with to learn things and do things for my education and for my life. I I love that story about you and the, and the math guru because, and I've talked before about my daughter. So Kelsey, and we were laughing about this not so long ago because oh, I think it was one of her final years of high school. We had a, a reasonably robust discussion with her maths teacher and you know, Kelsey's bright, but she kind of hadn't been applying herself necessarily. But long story short, she came out of high school thinking, I'm just not that good at math, right? So guess what she is now? She's she's a teacher who is actually the numerously lead for 17 schools. So she teaches teachers 
how to be great maths teachers. Now, she had, she also had one of those experiences. She had a lecturer in when she was going through university who said to her, you are really good at this. You're really good at teaching math. And, you know, so the irony of it was not lost on Kelsey and I'll be going, haha, wish we could go back to Mrs. whatever her name was and say, didn't turn out too bad. Thanks very much. You know, insert middle finger here. But she could have been, she could have let her life be ruled by this internal dialogue. I'm not that good at math. I'm not that good at numbers. But guess what? She didn't. She also had a great experience with a leader who said, you are good. So she was able to get some external validation, but she's, she's not driven by it. So how do we, how do we, how do you, dear listener, what is your internal message that's on high rotation? Number one, what's the name for, for your voice? As I said, mine was the worm. I always think of Judith, my friend Jude's Judith. Uh, so when, when Judith, when your Judith is talking, what is she saying to you? What is What are they saying to you? And how are you going to call bullshit on it and say, well, hang on, here's some alternative data points for you to hear internal dialogue. And actually, this is what I'm going to listen to now, or this is what I'm going to say out loud, because it's now time for you to go and take a seat in the corner and shut the F up for the next 10 years. So find those data points. Again, I'm going to go back to what I said at the start. Who are you? What do you bring? What are you famous for? And if you don't know that yet, you got to find it because that's the stuff that's going to shut the hell up, that, that, that voice, to tell that voice to shut the hell up and start creating a new set of words, a new set of mantras, whatever you want to call it, but this new set, this new dialogue up. And then you can start working on that. So what are the behaviors that I need to work on to then now demonstrate my competence to be known, you know, <laughs> build my credibility and therefore build my, my confidence? Yep. I, I love that. I agree. I'll add listeners another question that you can ask about your Judith to yourself. You know, is this serving me? Yeah. Is this narrative, is this voice serving me? And if it's not serving your higher purpose, your goals, let's think about how we can change it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll finish off my part of this, Mel, with a quote who I, I don't even know who to attribute it to anymore because so many people have claimed it. Maybe I'll claim it one day, but if it's to be, it's up to me. No one else can do this work but you. So if you're going to show up in all your glory, you got to do the work. So if it's to be, it's up to me. I love it. That's a great place for us to wrap up. You can't just turn up. You got to show up. Yep. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. That was cool. I'm Mel Butcher, and I want to talk to you about Project Best Self. Project Best Self is a goal setting and habit formation intensive. Together, we'll get clarity on our goals, set up the systems we need to be successful in those goals, and provide support to one another in our cohort in this intensive. I'd love to see you inside Project Best Self. Come join us. Learn more under the courses section inside A Career That Soars. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com. 